than for me last time. Oh, wait. There you go. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to talk about feedback, what um, makes it so hard, what you can do to make it easier, um, some frameworks involved, when the best time to give feedback is, and then also we'll get into a lot of our pet peeves that we ran into over the years that we just cringe every time we run into them. Um, I think right now, maybe we'll start off with um, when the best time to get feedback is. And Rico, if you have any opinions on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So there's obviously, you know, when you have reviews and stuff like that. So that's also a great time. But during off cycles, the best times I think to give feedback, or I, I know to give feedback because I've done this in the past, um, is specific times, right? So what, and this will come up in the pet peeves, but the worst thing you can do for someone is in the last five minutes of your one-on-one -on -one, say like, Hey, do you have any feedback for me? Um, it's not thoughtful. It does a disservice for both of you. So what I would recommend is setting up a specific time for feedback. So if you meet some with somebody weekly or whatever the cadence is, maybe you reserve, you reserve one of your one-on-ones monthly or quarterly specifically for feedback. So everyone knows that that's the time to meet. You can be more thoughtful. You can have notes, things like that. Um, and then the other time is just real-time feedback because we want to make sure that feedback is given consistently. And so that whenever you're doing real-time feedback could be like after presentations, being consistent is important. So for those that I would help, like say with presentations, after every presentation, we'd kind of debrief. And in those debriefs, sometimes it'd be positive, sometimes it'd be constructive but it was consistent. So then that person would always know that we would talk about things. So whatever feedback there was, it wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, and they would know that it would be coming. So those are the times that like I set it up. And if you want other off cycle, you can also request feedback from others. Um, but I would also caution here to be super specific when you request. Um, when I would ask somebody for feedback, I would talk about specific projects um, specific meetings, events, presentations, whatever it is, be a specific. So I would ask, hey, for that presentation to the Japan team, I'd love to hear what I could have done better or what went well that I can continue to do. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I plan and think about like when to specifically give feedback. And then also to remember to record and document, like super important. Anytime you have a conversation, um, you want to record and document either send an email to the person or have a person send an email back i think you mentioned that earlier just mm -hmm. in case to cya you know so if it ends up going into a pip or some formal record you can hand over all your documentation to people ops and make sure that you did everything properly yeah and i really like the um like asking the person you're giving feedback to to um reflect back to you, whether that's in an email follow-up or um, just verbally. So you can do the email follow-up and that way it's in writing, but that's a good way. It's almost like getting feedback about that conversation you just had because you can tell which things didn't um, come across as um, important or maybe some things got missed in uh, their understanding and things like that. So I like that. Uh, and then it can feel more conversational. Like 
if they send you, if you ask them like, hey, can you send me a follow-up e- email after this call um, just so I, um, j- just so I'm clear, I know that we're clear on what the next steps are or whatever it is. And then if there's anything that needs to be added, you can reply to that email and um, it's more, you know, conversational. The reason why this has been, I mean, I learned it the hard way that just getting that clarity from people, like knowing that they have clarity on what we talked about, because I personally have been, um, for a few different reasons, have um, struggled with making sure that I'm super clear on how important this feedback is, whether to for their job or a promotion or whatever it may be. Um, and then also just to make sure that they're taking it as when it's um, when it's a, a critical piece of feedback that they're taking it as something needs to change. Um, because in a past life, I used to be extremely bad about rounding all of the edges of my feedback. So <laughs> I would say something like, oh, um, I noticed that you've been getting to, I mean, I've never had to have this conversation actually about being late to work, but because I've always worked for startups <laughs> and uh, with software engineers and we just basically start as long as we're not missing meetings, it's fine. But like, hey, I noticed that you've been starting work a lot later lately. Um, and then like requesting like, hey, could you let me know next time that you're going to be starting after 930 or whatever? They'll be like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, because we've I usually have a great relationship with my re- direct reports Um it's usually a super easy conversation. They're not like, oh, the boss is coming to talk to me, that type of thing. So when I ask that, it might just sound like a simple thing, like it wasn't that big of a deal. But if maybe there's a problem that someone else has or maybe there's a policy that like a reason why this has become super important all, all of a sudden or maybe their performance is um, lacking in other areas and I just want to I don't know, be on top, on top of that for whatever reason, this hypothetical late for work situation. Um, but yeah, like it's people have tended to take things like it's not a big deal. So I'll actually have to request the follow-up just to make sure, just so that I know that they understood correctly and that, or what I was trying to say. And then also I have had to say, okay, so on a scale from one to 10 of importance for your job or whatever the scale is, this is a nine, like this is super important. And then they kind of get it. Um, I've, and I've done that, act, I've used the scale in my personal life as well too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because I kind of sound, I'm usually even keel, I don't stress out about a lot. So when there is urgency or importance with something, it might seem like it's not that big of a deal because I'm not freaking out about it. 
like physically or in my voice or anything, but it's still important. So I do have to use that just to convey it. Yeah. Just something. Are there I've, frameworks that you like to use for when you give feedback? Yeah. So I've been in a lot of trainings with a lot of different frameworks and my biggest complaint is that they're hard to remember. And especially when giving feedback isn't something that someone does on a daily basis. It's, and if it's something that doesn't feel natural, which I don't think that it's usually something that's like a innate natural gift to be good at giving feedback. Um, People like we forget, we forget these, um, these like catchy phrases and frameworks yeah, and stuff. Point, so, grow, yeah, like so many, yeah. So, I like the simple ones. Um, I know you mentioned start, stop, continue. Do you want to talk about that one? Yeah, it's um, it's just an easy one for me to remember. Stop, start, continue. I use it at Netflix and I've kind of used it everywhere else since. Um, I use it for formal, so 360s, and I also use it for informal. Um, they don't, I don't always have uh, all three, stop, start, continue. So if we had like informal feedback session right now, I wouldn't just find things for you to start if I didn't have anything. Um, but it does make it really easy. So stop, start, continue, stop doing this, start doing this, or continue doing this. So it's a really easy, easy framework. And I'll give a simple example, right? So like, meetings and agendas, right? So one thing I might say to someone is, you know, stop putting meetings on the calendar without pre-reads and agendas, right? Mm -hmm. Because that, you know, seems like it could be a waste, a waste of people's time. On the flip side of that, start a start version of that could be start adding pre-reads and agendas to your meetings so people have context and you have a more productive meeting. Or if they're really great at it, then you just reinforce it, like continue running great meetings, um, action items at the end, et cetera. So this gives you an idea of how to frame these things, like stop doing this, start doing this, continue doing this. Um, yeah. And then what I like to do for myself during every review period is write a review for myself. So all to get my mind going. So what are the things that I, that I know I want to stop doing? What are the things that I know I want to start doing, continue doing? And it just puts me in the right mindset. And then I can also just apply that across when that same scenario and presentations. Since my whole team, all my direct reports are familiar with this framework, I would say, hey, start adding uh, like a TLDR to the beginning of your presentation. So like everybody has an idea of what their the expectations are or um, continue to have concise, like use brevity, et cetera, um, in your presentations. So simple one. I like that one. Um, I think there's one that you've used in the past and it, it is a longer one, but it's something that I think it's mm -hmm. pretty easy to remember, but think, right. It's something that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the acronym is think and it's, even though it is longer, I found it easy to remember because I can use it not just with giving feedback, but anytime I say literally anything to anyone is, um, ask myself these questions before I speak. And that is, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it 
necessary and is it kind? And if it's not any of those things, then there's not, there's not really a lot of reasons to say it, right? Um, this is something that's been helpful for me, like in this world of radical candor where some people, and this is kind of like my pet peeve with radical candor, not necessarily, it is in people's minds, that's like giving feedback basically <laughs> when you think of someone saying radical candor. But um, a lot of times we don't, we don't think before we are being candid with people and it's not helpful. And sometimes it's not even necessary to say it and definitely not inspiring and definitely not kind. <laughs> um, sometimes the only thing about it is if it's true. And a lot of times that's not even a hundred percent because a lot of times it's just our opinion or um, maybe just like how we feel on that day. We um, might think that we have feedback about a specific thing, but it may not be a hundred percent a fact. Um, so yeah, that's, I use it uh, all the time and yeah. I like to talk to my direct reports about that as well. You know, I guess like a more, a more informal form of giving feedback is at least on my teams has always been giving code reviews. We don't think about it when we're commenting on a pull request that someone made, but that is essentially giving feedback that might feel a little um, less personal, but can be taken personal if it's said um, in an abrasive way or the think method or um, acronym is not taken into account. Yeah, for sure. It's same. I had that same approach with design crit or creative review. Same thing, right? It's it's uh, more, you, when I think about giving creative or design feedback, it's less personal. It's more about like you're giving feedback to an object as opposed to a person, um, mm -hmm. which is a great segue into like what makes it hard, right? What makes giving yeah. and receiving feedback hard? So I'd love to hear because for you, think is great because there's is a necessary and kind are really the cornerstones to end it. Um, mm -hmm. but what for you, what makes feedback so hard and how can we make it easier? Yeah. Well, I love that you mentioned um, giving like the creative reviews and things like that because you're giving feedback about an object and not a person. But I, and you know this as well, we talk about this a lot in coaching, but uh, a lot of times it doesn't feel like it's um, about like an object when you're receiving it. It feels like they're talking about you and how good you are at your job versus like, oh, this is just neutral. It's about this piece of work that I did. And I think that's what makes it hard to receive because any kind of feedback, um, because we we interpret it sometimes that, oh, I didn't do so great at this particular thing. So that means that I'm not so great, which is not really ever true. We're all great no matter what we do. Um, so, and then giving it 
we've all experienced when people take things way too personally and don't respond well to the feedback that we've given. So it makes it more nerve wracking to give feedback. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, the things um, I like to do is use empathy, right? And how do I use that? What well, it's pretty simple. I, I put myself in the other person's shoes and think about how I would want to receive this feedback, right? Cause I don't think anybody would, want to receive feedback in a harsh, unkind way, right? Um, and if you tell yourself, I want to receive it that way, that's, I think that's another thing <laughs> that, to mm -hmm. talk about, right? But I think that's the best way to, to at least get your mind around empathy and understand how to give feedback is just how would you want to receive it and yeah. approach it that way. And I guess, can we just clarify really quick, because this is a distinction I didn't always have about what it means to be kind. Um, being kind doesn't, it's not the same as being nice. So you can give, you can use that think acronym and it doesn't have to be sweet and nice and polite. Like um, being kind is telling someone when they have spinach in their teeth, being nice is acting like it's not there, you know, <laughs> like usually companies want you to be kind so that uh, things can improve and people can become aware of things that they need to change, not just um, act like nothing's wrong or smooth things over, uh, which dilutes the message of the feedback. Yeah, that's a great point and a great um clarifying moment of clarity um because yeah the, it's true sometimes people will take it hard the intention is not to be mean but the intention is to get better right to be yeah. better together right and so I, that's I think that's another thing um makes it giving and receiving feedback hard is people take it as a you mentioned earlier it's personal right um and that's another thing i and you probably see this too in coaching clients is especially with creatives, anything they put out there is like the best work of their lives. So it feels like their heart is on display. Yeah. Uh, in actuality, it, it's like we talked about before, it's an object, right? You, yeah. It's not their actual self-worth that's on display. It's just their interpretation of a project. Um, yeah. And that's something that is hard for people because they'll take it personally. Um, but that's the first thing I try to clarify is like, this isn't something personal. This is just helping us be better. And I think one thing that people don't, and I try to instill this in my direct reports too, is, is everything is coming from a place of getting better together. Um, yeah. And so like, I think that goes along with your being kind is I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm actually trying to um, help us be better together. Yeah. I love that because yeah, intention is everything. And um. You know, it's not always clear, especially when peers are giving feedback to each other, what their intention is for giving that specific piece of feedback. Um, maybe after you've known each other for a while, things like that, or um, maybe with like direct reports, they're after they get to know you and realize, like, hey, this this guy has my best interests at heart and he really wants to see me succeed. Like they're, they're a lot less willing or a lot less likely to 
um, get defensive when they hear the feedback and then they can actually receive it and do something with it versus, you know, feeling bad about it or um, stressed or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it's easier to change those things that we don't have, like that we're not attached to. Yeah. And there's one thing you mentioned also before getting into pet peeves. I think this is important. Um, And you mentioned it earlier is making sure you're checking for clarity and also like allowing for questions. You want to elaborate on that a little bit more? Sure. Um, You know, aside, um, well, I guess the big one, um, since we are talking, we were talking a little bit about frameworks and stuff. Um, This isn't necessarily a framework, but things that I always like to do is um, asking if someone ask in the beginning is, are you open to some feedback? And that makes it feel, I think when you're talking about your stories about when you usually give feedback and how everyone gets used to like, oh yeah, we usually do feedback after the presentation or after these types of certain types of meetings. Um, I think that's important so that people aren't surprised that they're just like all of a sudden getting feedback Um, because it can feel like, oh, like you have to be ready to receive it. And not everyone is just walking around being willing to like ready to receive it. It could be a really bad day for that person. Uh, And this gets in the empathy part as well. Like you never know what's going on with people. So that doesn't mean that as a leader, you can always delay the feedback if it's not a great day. Um, But if something, if it's just really like something crazy is going on that you don't know about, they might have an opportunity to tell you if you ask them if now is a good time to give them some feedback or if they're open to some feedback. Um, or if you schedule the meeting, like you said. Um, so starting with that, with a question in the beginning to find out if they're ready to receive it, and then ending with questions as well, asking uh, if they have questions, and then also asking them to tell you what they heard, whether yeah. that's in email form or verbally. Yeah. One thing that is interesting as you talked about that reminded me of something else. Um, and these are like the cliche things where like feedback is a gift, but also yeah. to remember that like, it takes courage to give and receive feedback. So if you're on the receiving end, how much, I mean, it takes courage for someone to like actually get the courage to ask you, Hey, do you mind if I give you some feedback? Cause giving feedback mm-hmm. is hard. So, and also receiving feedback is hard. So it's something just to remember it takes courage on both sides. Uh, Cause people think, Oh, giving feedback is easy. It's not giving feedback is hard. Like, cause they're probably on the, a lot of times on the receiving end, it takes courage on both sides. So mm-hmm. just understand that there's, there's good intentions. Um, yeah. And I've, you, oh yeah. Go, go, go. Oh, I was just going to mention, like I used to get super nervous when I was giving feedback, um, critical feedback to direct reports and, the question part does kind of disarm things for everyone because then you don't have to start right in with like, 
oh, this is actually a serious conversation now and I've got to be put on my like super manager hat. (laughs) I don't know, you know, and then it just makes things weird. So asking kind of just turns it into a regular conversation um, or more conversational, not a regular conversation. And then, um, then yeah, like I, when I have been super nervous, I actually will say that I'll say after I've asked and they say, yes, I'll say, okay, well, I'm actually a little bit nervous right now. Like it's okay to just say that, especially if my voice is shaking. Um, and I want to make sure that I'm saying all the right thing, all the necessary points and all of that. I, I have in the past just said that, you know, and I think it, it kind of puts you on a more, more human level. Um, cause it is, it does take courage. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Like every, it, um, gives you that little bit of vulnerability to also disarm that person to be like, Oh yeah, I, I realize this is hard for you to do. So let's be courageous together. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, which is a good transition into some of the pet peeves, right? Um, and maybe one of the ones that relates to that the most is uh, leaders that aren't open to feedback, right? Yeah. So the do as I do, do as I say, not as I do leaders where they happily give everybody else feedback. But when the mirror is turned on them, all of a sudden like, oh, your feedback's not valid or they don't, they're not willing to receive. Um, what other what thoughts do you have on that or what other pet peeves do you have around feedback? Yeah, I think, yeah, just that it's another one of those cliche things. Like every company always says we have this open door policy. You can come talk to us at any time, uh, give us any feedback and there, they may not be, um, doing it intentionally, but sometimes it's not always obvious when something is done about the feedback and it can seem like you're giving feedback to a leader or to HR and it's just like going out into the ether and not helping anything. Um, And so like leaders being aware like, hey, it did take courage for this person to come and tell me this thing and it is a gift and I need to treat it like that. And then there's that whole other side that you mentioned of like taking it super personal and making it even harder for someone to want to give a leader feedback. But yeah, anything you want to add to that? Yeah. Well, actually um, I'll give you another pet peeve of mine. Um, <laughs> is third party feedback. Um, oh, yeah. Which I, I despise third party feedback. So, a third party feedback is for those listening when someone says, Oh, I have feedback about someone on your team or uh-huh. something like that. Um, and they go into the first thing I say is, or I ask is, What do you want me to do with this piece of information? Mm-hmm. And they'll usually say, Oh, I want you to go tell them. And then the next thing I'll ask is, like, How does that sound to you? Um, and when we have that conversation, it's like, well, well, they wouldn't want to have someone telling their boss, leader, manager about feedback they have for them. They'd want the person to go 
right to them. So mm-hmm. I don't like getting into this, like they said, they said thing where now I'm trying to corroborate three or four people's feedback. As yeah. opposed to if I just said, hey, hey, person A, go see person B one-on-one, you all talk through it and have the conversation and make sure there's clarity around that and then inform me on what the decision was. Yes. It is so hard when you're trying, when someone comes to you with feedback about someone on your team and then you have to go talk to a bunch of people just to find out what all of the different sides are because, you know, I'm not like, what do they say? They're always at least three sides to every story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it's impossible to know what the truth is like or like what the facts are. And it's all just people's perception of what happened. And it makes it really hard for me to give um, to give any like actionable <clears throat> any actionable, steps at all to improve the situation because I don't know if it's actually a problem sometimes or just someone's opinion. It's so hard. Yeah. It's like impossible. The thing that I would have to do, um, because I've had this happen to me a couple times and then I, you know, I wasn't, I'm not going to be a part of it. I wanted them to figure it out. And there was a point where the two of them were like, well, they're not listening to me. So at that point, then I'll have a crucial conversation. Right. And so I'll facilitate the session, which, is then I get to hear facts from both sides and I'm more of an observer as opposed to the one like trying to decipher the feedback. Um, so like that's the yeah. extent that I'll do. I am not going to like take action steps like as a middle, like yeah, I'm not a messenger, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, that's a huge pet peeve. That's a good one. Yeah. And there was one you mentioned earlier about a feedback sandwich. You want to talk about what that is and why it's not so great? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I there are several different names for it. I was actually in a training at a startup I worked at in San Francisco. Um, we had hired a life coach to come in and train us on feedback. And she this she told us, she was like, okay, we're going to practice the, sh- the shit sandwich right now. And it's basically where you um, place like two positive comments or pieces of feedback around the negative or the critical feedback to soften the blow. But really, it I hate it so much because, number one, the message can get lost And sometimes you're not sure like, okay, which part of that was important because we ended on a good note, you know, does that mean the middle part was like not that bad? I don't know. (laughs) And then also like, um, so the message can get lost. And then also the intention behind it is like the reason why people do it is is because of that to just make it so that people aren't as defensive and so it's easier for them to give it and it's not because they actually really are 
interested in giving the positive parts, the sandwich pieces. Um, and like we were talking earlier before we started about intention and how that's so important. And um, if you're like, people see through that, they know when you're giving empty compliments and the real reason was just to tell you that crappy thing in the middle and it's not genuine. So unless it just accidentally happens that you're giving a lot of important feedback and there were two positive things surrounding a critical part, like, I think that's fine. If it's really, if they were all equally important and timely and you really genuinely wanted to give that person that those pieces of feedback in that order, not because you were hiding something in the middle. I don't know. I just like feel so strongly about that. And I cannot believe my company paid for someone to come teach us that. And then we had to practice with each other. It was horrible. That's <laughs> terrible. I, and I remember learning about that one early. It's actually in the one minute manager. Um, oh yeah, it is. That, right. That back then, I but know. That from like the eighties or nineties, something like that. And yeah. so there's a lot of things that, that I used to follow in that book that I no longer do. I don't know. Scribe yeah. They recommended that feedback sandwich. Um, yeah. I forgot it's in that book. Yeah. So a lot of people do it even without realizing that it's a framework or that it's not great. Yeah. There's one more for me um, and something that I had to get better at. And that's just understanding the weight of my comments. So like going back mm -hmm. to design crit, code review or creative review. Um, oftentimes I'd be in there and then like I would make comments or I'd make a comment or like give some feedback on something. And in my mind, it's just, I'm throwing in my two cents, take it or leave it, right? But when you have teams that sometimes hang on your every word or like really value your opinion, um, mm -hmm. I needed to be better about saying like, hey, this is just my two cents, take it or leave it and then do that. Because what would end up happening is like they would take my notes no matter who else said whatever other notes, and then they would present that back. Um, yeah. So I had to get better about understanding the weight of my comments. And so like when I was providing feedback, it wasn't because I felt strongly about it, but it was just another perspective I wanted to put out there. Yeah. So what's something like say you're um, giving feedback about some work that someone did, whether it's code review or design review is that what you call it i'm not sure what you yeah. the design word. yeah you can call it design crit design review <laughs> okay People call it okay yeah um i think this because i think this is helpful for everyone not just leaders um anyone who has who has any type of seniority on the person that they're reviewing or the coat or the um work that they're reviewing um, it's something to consider. So like, what can you do to let someone know? I know in code reviews, we'll say like, oh, this is a nit, like just a nit picky thing, like not a big deal. But like for everything else, how do you preface that so that people don't just like, they don't realize when they don't realize, oh, this is like 50 cents more than yeah. your thoughts. 
Yeah. So I would just be explicit, right? So like in mm -hmm. some cases, I won't have all the context that everybody has. So I'll just say that. Like, I yeah. understand this design is meant to like accomplish X, Y, Z. I don't have all the context, but just something I noticed is like, mm -hmm. like this, 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 and that may be intentional. So let me know if it is. If not, then it's something that we may want to look at. So it's just being very intentional about the words I use to uh -huh. imply the, the things that that caveat my perspective. So like okay. when I don't have all the context, I probably didn't read the design spec, but according to like maybe the overall design system, something may look a little off or something okay. like that. So like that's how I kind of qualify or even disqualify my or unqualify, disqualify, unqualify my comment. Um, yeah. Not, I'm not as close to it as everyone else. So I love that. That just disarms everyone and and it gives them also an opportunity to say like, oh, we made that decision because of like X, Y, Z. We know it doesn't fit the design system, but that was intentional for this test or whatever. And then that's that gives them the opportunity to speak to it as opposed to just saying, no, change that. That's wrong. Yeah, I love that. And that kind of actually made me think of um, in the context of even just general feedback as a leader when we're giving it being clear with the person we're giving the feedback to about like, okay, this is my perspective because I've been given feedback before, actually not so long ago about my speaking skills. And looking back, I realized um, what this person valued in someone's speaking was very different from what feels natural and genuine to me. And maybe to them it was something that like, oh, there is a specific way to speak to sound like you are know what you're doing or you're a leader, you know. Um, but they were they had brought it up several times and um, for that I needed to work on my speaking skills. And um they weren't specific that it was just their perception that they thought that I would be more effective if I carried myself differently when I'm speaking. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so it was difficult for me to know what to do with that, you know, yeah. because I wasn't sure like, okay, this doesn't, this isn't really something that I feel is a personal um, weakness, you know, and it's not something I really wanted to put a lot of effort in because I very much want to be as authentic as possible whenever I'm speaking. Um, on the same note, it's something that I was always insecure about. But yeah, I was like, I don't know what to do with this because I don't know how important it is or if this is just your opinion or what. But it keeps coming up. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. I mean maybe real time if I knew who that person was like one of the <laughs> things I would give as feedback is like is understanding how to meet people where they are because people yeah. show up in lots of different ways right mm -hmm. and this is getting a little off topic but I do want to mention it and then we can wrap is um there was a was a, a strategy planning and analysis person uh that was um very like not concerned but reserved like they did not like public speaking etc um but because of where we were 
there were many ways to show up. So anytime you go mm-hmm. like to to product strat, you'd have like a document, right? A Google Doc with a spec or whatever. Um, and then where she should she couldn't show up because of you know she's not that type A personality. Audibly, she showed up in, doc- right. in the document. So lots of comments, that. lots of insight, lots of things within the document itself. So for me, right. that's more valuable because she was able to show up what's like the way that's most comfortable for her and still provide value. I so love that. Like that type A personality isn't how everyone shows up. Or if yeah. they do, that's not how their best selves show up. So yeah. I think that's that too is understanding where people are and, and kind of meeting them there. Yeah. And that's, well, and just side note, this person, um, I think they had like a master's in linguistics or something like that, you know? And I'm like, okay, not me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like introvert programmer over here. Um, but you know, I have no problem speaking with people or public speaking. It's just I do it differently. But I love what you said because what you really did was when you're giving that example is you're getting to like, okay, what's at the root of this? And it it's more about like I want this person to um, be more active or like participate more in the discussion in one way or another or to show up more in in whatever you know and you kind of have to remove your own opinions on like the how and just or you don't have to remove your own opinions as a leader but um like be open to other ways and like you said meeting them where where they are and what are they willing to do to move closer to that like whatever that root thing is yeah i mean we could have easily said no comments you had to like commentary live but no like sometimes you just have to allow people to participate which is more comfortable and when you're especially when you're like a global company gotta understand Mm -hmm. too that english is not everybody's first language as much as americans want to think that the U.S. is the center of the universe. It really isn't. Yeah. <laughs> so accounting for that cultural norms. Yes. Is something that we as Americans need to get better at also. Yes, I agree. And not all leaders are the same. They're not all the extroverted, loving to speak and just talk the entire time, you know. Um, there's just so many... I've, this is a whole nother conversation. I'm sure we can do a whole nother podcast on, but just in terms of promotions as well, like the, just because for example, like a senior software engineer, one senior software engineer does X, Y, Z doesn't mean that someone else uh, with a different personality type can't become a senior software engineer uh, when people, different people have different strengths. Um, That's something I feel passionate about as well, because I've seen people not progress in their career because of some, maybe some stereotypes that we have about different roles. And yeah, yeah. absolutely. Great. That's a great conversation to have for our next one. So so (laughs) feedback. So hopefully 
folks got some value out of this, some yeah. best practices, some pet peeves, some frameworks. Um, yeah, yeah. Next time we should talk about introvert, extrovert leaders and like meeting people where they are. I think it'd be a great conversation. Yeah. And if anyone has any specific feedback about this episode, we would love it. And we want to know if you have any topics that you want us to talk about or things that we can do better next time. Sweet. With that, take care all. We'll see you next time. Thanks.